Me Time and Murder is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Oh, well, big surprise. Okay, Trace, what are you drinking? Today I am drinking the Pocka Three Ginger Tea. I am drinking a Marks and Spencer's Sleepy Time Tea because I'm going to go to bed right after this. And what about your me time? Well, me time, I wanted to talk about how I finally bit the bullet. Oh? And ordered. Oh. What was the thing I always used to talk about? And you were like, will you ever just buy one? Oh, you got the flancha stone. What's it called? Guasha. Guasha. flancha? Oh, I thought that's what it was called. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I was like, oh, do I need this flancha stone as well? <laughs> no, I got the guasha. And I also got, oh my goodness, what the heck is it called? Like a face roller. Oh my god, you did oh not. God. The ones that I the, did. Why did you get me one? I was gonna get you one because I got one for myself. Oh, sorry. And I was just like, right, if I like it, I'll get one for Trez. But you've already bought it. What are they called? Are you talking about? Did you get the one with the little liquid in, on the inside of the glass? <gasps> no. Oh. Sorry, now I spoiled your present. So I bought Revolution. Do you know the way they do skincare now? Yes, they do. Their Gua Sha Stone and Face Roller uh, are very affordable, but they're high quality. Jade Roller. Oh, I have a Jade Roller. Yes, that's what I mean. I got a Jade Roller, a Rose Quartz Jade Roller. It's like a white jade stone instead of a green jade stone. Mm -hmm. And then my gua sha is rose quartz as well. And it stays nice and cold. Oh, yeah. Have you got it in your fridge? And Yes, I have it. But even if you didn't, like let's say you were traveling, it does still stay fairly cold on its own. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which Because I guess because it's a stone. I do notice a difference when I use the gua sha on my jawline. Oh, really? What does it do? On my jowl. <laughs> what does it do to your jowl? It tightens them. So I'm very happy. And uh, there is no need to spend 20, 30 quid on a gua sha stone. That stone, I think, was 650 or something. Do you want to talk about any me time you've been up to? I just thought I'd say that I am slowly turning into our mother because I, uh -oh. <laughs> I was in Yankee Candle. Mm hmm. They have got, I think they're like the parent company of a new candle people. I got their new one, Vovito or Votivo, aromic jar candle. And it is Saint Germain lavender, chamomile lavender and tonka bean. It smells so oh. great. My bedroom just smells like lavender. Sounds lovely. Mm -hmm. Is it more natural or something? I believe so. Well, I know that Yankee Candle is natural oils and stuff, but... Is it? Are they? Yeah. Did you not know that? But I didn't know that. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. So, time for our new review section. Um, do not yeah. stop the waffling. I love it. Five stars. Yay. Yay. These two ladies are just like my friends, and I love to hear their chit-chat at the beginning this podcast is my favourite of all. Keep at it or I will be very cross. Kissy face. <laughs> Can't have that. And who is that from? He Park or Hep Ark. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Via Apple Podcasts. Very nice review. Mm -hmm. 
glad someone likes the waffle because <laughs> there's plenty of it to go around. Okay, and today we are finishing part two of the Holly and Jessica murder in Soham. The Soham murders, it's also known as. This was requested by long-time listener, Jamie. Dres, do you want, can you do a recap? Oh God, I'll, I'll make it brief. I do think people know a lot. There has been things that I mm-hmm. didn't know. Mm-hmm. Same. Holly and Jessica went missing at around, I don't know, was it half six? Yes. Is that when the mother? No, yeah, that's when the mother. They went up to the bedroom at six, and they were last seen on CCTV okay. at about half six. Yeah. Yes. So they are missing from their bedroom, and it's transpired that they snuck out of the house, went to the local sports center to use the vending machine, and then they were spotted along the road by different taxi men and different people. Um. And strangely, this character, Ian Huntley, Huntley, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. came forward to speak to police Mm -hmm. um, to say that he spoke to them in his front garden Mm -hmm. before they disappeared uh, to speak about how his girlfriend didn't get the permanent position as a teaching assistant Mm -hmm. in the girls school Mm -hmm. Um, and while telling his story he came across as very shifty Mm -hmm. his house had been cleaned with I'm assuming probably bleach and different things and he had washing out on the line Mm -hmm. even though it had been raining so there's sort of just suspicious activity at his house Mm -hmm. and he has a very, very sordid past. Uh, basically, mm. I mean, he is a paedophile, but he's not officially down on record as a paedophile, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah, so he's been reported to police, I don't know, was it five times to police? and No, ten times to police, yeah. five times to social services. Uh-huh. So he's got a big record on there, but just has never actually been charged and done any time for any of this. Mm-hmm. But he is a bad, bad person. Person. Yeah, and I missed out anything. No, probably. that's roughly it. Yeah, and the police, you know, I mean, they definitely have him written down, like to be aware of this guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's acting suspicious. Yeah. Like, why did he come? I don't know. Did I they mean, not gonna? St- is, is, hey. I think it's quite obvious at this point that Ian Hunt, yeah. Ian Huntley, is our man. Okay. Yeah. Why? Yeah. I don't understand I, why. Yeah, I know. We can't keep that up can't. anymore, that illusion. <laughs> <laughs> like, <Yeah. clears throat> I understand why he came forward either. Like, because he, he, he's never been charged. Right? He's never been charged mm-hmm. with anything. So yeah. why, like, mm-hmm. why would you make yourself a suspect? You have gotten away so far. You've snuck under the radar. Keep your bloody head down. But you see, this will be his first murder so he is at the height of it and he is probably on a high this is the worst thing he's ever done probably he sees it as the best thing he's ever done Uh so he is loving this and wanting to keep it alive they want to keep it going after it's happened Uh uh-huh you know it's hard to know living for this i'm not too sure if he did love it it's so mm, i don't know if he did really yeah Right, okay, you'll have to explain that more later. Yeah, we'll have to, uh, we'll get into it a bit. Okay. I think it is possible, okay, because 
So he sort of becomes like an unofficial spokesperson for the oh. Soham community. And I don't know. What? Yeah. So the media always goes to him and they always interview what? him over like. But he would have been loving that, Miriam. Surely he would have been loving that attention and notoriety of. So it seems like he was reluctant. So from reading articles, he was reluctant, but although he did speak. Okay. And I'm wondering, is it possible that maybe the police were telling the media to interview him? On purpose? So hoping he would slip up, you know? That's very is that, interesting. Is that impossible? That's, yeah, that's, that's a good theory. That sounds possible. I know, because how do they latch on to this one person? Unless he's just able to blab. Was he a talker? Like, would he... Some people won't give you anything on camera. Maybe he was willing to give that's true i suppose him being the last person as he claims it was the last person to speak to them yes that is a big thing so the news people would have gravitated towards that so in the weeks following the disappearances ian gave several television interviews becoming like i said uh unofficial spokesperson for like the own community all of him were already suspicious and disliked Ian. Like we spoke about in the previous episode, there was already much suspicion and dislike and rumours and gossip around this guy. And I forgot to mention that Soham, the village, is tiny. It's only 10. It's only about 10,000 people in this village. Oh, right. Yeah, they all know each other. (sighs) Right. Mostly, Ian spoke of the general shock, frustration and despair the local community was feeling as the weeks went on. He also spoke of the dismay at being the last person to see them alive, but saying in interviews he was still hoping the girls would return safe and well. Maxine Carr, his partner and Holly and Jessica's classroom teaching assistant, was also interviewed by the media, echoing Ian Huntley and saying that she too had talked with the children on the doorstep on the 4th of August. She said she wished she knew where they were, where they went. She wished she could have stopped them or done something. However, during the interviews, police had been receiving calls from the public saying that they had recognised Ian Huntley on the TV interviews and that he had actually been accused of rape only a few years ago. Of course, the police already had a file on Ian, and they too had their suspicions. The police received even more phone calls, saying that Maxine was lying in the TV interviews too. There was no way she had spoken to the girls on the day of their disappearance, as she was definitely in Grimsby Town Centre the day and night of August 4th, not at home in Soham Village. What a weirdo. Why did she say that? Why do you think? I don't know, to help her boyfriend Mm. in some way. I just don't know how it does help him, though. Mm -hmm. Okay. By the second week of Holly and Jessica's disappearance, Ian Huntley had begun to lose weight and was displaying visible signs of insomnia. He was so distressed that he was prescribed antidepressants. Boo-hoo. <laughs> Boo fucking hoo. <laughs> Boo-hoo. <gasps> I know, right? Having actively participated in the manhunt search for the children, 
Ian Huntley regularly asked police officers questions like, how is the investigation going? And what the fuck? I know. And how long? Like, who are you? Who are you? Yeah, why are you talking to us? Why? It's the, the parents ask, not uh-huh. yeah. randos. Who are you? What? And how long DNA evidence can survive before being deteriorated? He asked the he, police that. He asked the police that. Like, this man is an idiot. He shit me. Okay, what, no, but was he, though? Like, was... What? Was he a little bit... Oh, was he... Did, did he have low IQ? Because, I mean, that is in the, that is an insane question to ask. I don't think he has a low IQ. I think... I think he's, like, panicking. He's panicking. maybe just desperate at this yeah, point. Yeah, he's, like, I, he, Yeah. And he's, like, not... That's got to be one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. I know. Asking the police how long DNA evidence can survive. Unless it's like I'm a do-gooder and I really care that we find the DNA. I don't know. Yeah. And they've already searched so you his can house. Flip it around, can't you? You can. You can. Yeah. Following the suspicious like, behavior, yeah. hmm? just if I was a policeman, I'd be saying, "Why do you care so much?" Yeah, I think it's nice that you care, but why? Like, yeah. Following all the suspicious behavior and concerned calls from the public and his criminal past, on the sixteenth of August, Ian Huntley and Maxine Carr were brought into the police station. They gave formal witness statements and were questioned by police in an interview lasting seven hours. Wow. Yeah. I could not cope with that. I know, that's a lot. I would, I would I'd crack. I would, I would break mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. Seven hours. Mm-hmm. So both of them saying they seen the girls on the 4th of mm-hmm. August. After the interviews, the pair were placed in separate safe houses in a nearby village. While Ian and Maxine were in the safe houses, police conducted a thorough search of their house, car and the college where Ian Huntley worked as a caretaker. Why were they placed in safe houses? What were they told? We're putting you in this safe house because... It's probably just so the media can't get to them. I'm thinking. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. Right. Because they're suspects at this point. Do they know that they're suspects? They must know they're suspects, right? Because you're in for questioning for seven hours. Seven so. hours is a long-ass witness statement. And either out of the out of the house, it's a great opportunity for the house to yeah. be searched. Okay. They must know they're suspects, mm. right? Because the house yeah, is being searched. They, have to. they have to have like a warrant yeah. to search the house, right? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I assume so, yeah. Each room of Ian Huntley's home had been recently and meticulously cleaned. (gasps) As was Ian's recently cleaned car, which was also examined. A car seat cover was missing and the car boot lining had been replaced. Oh, for goodness sake. I know. I mean, the telltale signs, like, when do you ever replace your boot carpet like and it had been replaced with like a poorly cut piece of like house carpet that like wasn't even like a proper car yeah real makeshift fast Mm -hmm. job yeah but it was numerous items that were found at Ian's work the local college including two charred and cut up Manchester United t-shirts I remember this Mm -hmm. Having discovered Holly and Jessica's clothes at the college, at 4.30am on the 17th of August, 
police arrested Ian Huntley and Maxine Carr on suspicion of abduction and murder. About 10 miles east of Soham, the very same day, Keith Pryor, a gamekeeper, had noticed what he later described as an unusual and unpleasant smell had been developing for several days in the vicinity of his pheasant pen. He eventually decided to return to the area with two friends to investigate the stench. At about 12.30pm on the 17th of August 2002, Keith and his two friends walked through the overgrown ditch roughly 600 yards from the road. Following the smell, Keith and his friend, Adrian Lawrence, discovered Holly and Jessica's decaying bodies. So they weren't buried or anything? No. The girls were... That is unusual not to attempt. Yes. I don't remember the discovery of their bodies. Because this is about to get much more grim. Oh, is it? Mm. Can we just pause and say why he left their Man United shirts in his workplace? Uh, because he's an idiot. Ah, <laughs> uh, what? Like partially ripped up and burned? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I mean, put it, like, I take out the bin? What? Take out the what? Yeah, he's, he's bloody useless. Really weird. Okay. How would he not think that they would search there? Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? Just bring, put it in a bin, and then the, the bin man will bring it to the dump site. I don't. Mm-hmm. Why would you ever just leave it in the bin? Or drive like a couple of towns over and put it in the in a bin there. Put it in a bin there. Just put it in any bin, but don't leave yeah. it inside the premises. In your in your bin. Yeah, in your must have been his closet or his something his mm-hmm. his office or his closet okay following the smell keith and his friend adrian lawrence discovered holly and jessica's decaying bodies the girls were laying side by side in a five foot deep irrigation ditch near the parameter fence of the royal air force in suffolk oh. immediately upon viewing the corpses Adrian Lawrence turned in the direction of his girlfriend and shouted, Don't come any closer, get back in the van. Oh, Keith yeah, that was the right thing to do. Didn't want her to see. Be very Don't upset. want to see that, no. Keith and Adrian immediately reported the discoveries to police. The 10-year-olds had been missing for a whole 13 days when their bodies were found, and both corpses were in an advanced state of decomposition. Their murderer mm-hmm. or murderers had attempted, had also attempted to burn the bodies. Ah, what? Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that? Mm, I don't think I did. Yeah, I did not know. Ugh. I did not know that. Writing this case, I oh. like, I didn't know the state of the girls. Yeah. When they were found. Mm, it's mm-hmm. horrible for the parents. Mm. This was an apparent way to destroy forensic evidence as well as victim identification. But despite the best efforts of the perpetrator or perpetrators, investigators rapidly identified that yes, unfortunately, it was Holly and Jessica. 
and were able to determine that neither had died at the location of their discovery. Examination of the scene found Jessica's hair in a tree, as well as no clear footprints, as well as the fact that there was no clear footprints at the crime scene. Mm-hmm. On August 18th, 2002, a Cambridgeshire constable released a press statement confirming the discovery of Holly and Jessica. A formal inquest into the children's deaths was held at Shire Hall, Cambridge. Right? Okay. This is the same place where Peter Samuel Cook, the Cambridge rapist, mm-hmm. escaped from, like, our previous episode. The same building? The same building. Not mental. Oh, we wow. just covered that episode. Weird. On the 23rd of August 2002, the coroner testified the bodies of both girls were partially skeletonized. And that the precise cause of death could not be determined. Although the coroner did state... I know, it's so frustrating. Uh. Although the coroner did state that the most likely cause of the deaths had been asphyxiation. Okay. He went on to say the girls' bodies had been placed in the ditch 24 hours after their deaths. A forensic ecologist, ecologist, and planeologist, a plant scientist, was able to measure the plant growth and supported the coroner report, saying the girls had the girls' bodies had been in the ditch for about two weeks. Still under arrest, the police questioned Ian Huntley Moore. During this questioning, Ian refused to answer the questions and appeared evasive and confused. Occasionally drooling during the questioning process in an effort to fake symptoms of mental illness or intellectual disability. But like he was never doing that before. All of a sudden you're doing that now. Exactly. It's like, dude, you were interviewed on TV. You can't just Mm -hmm. like... We have a record that you're like with it. (laughs) Yeah. Dear Uh. God. This tactic meant, isn't it? This tactic, this tactic, this tactic meant police had to legally refer Ian to undergo psychological evaluation. Ah. Mean, I know. Meanwhile, Maxine Carr quickly confessed to detectives she had lied about her whereabouts and her partner's actions on August 4th. Maxine, Maxine then came clean and gave her side of the story. Kind of. According to Maxine, Ian had told her that the girls had entered their home so Holly could stop her nosebleed. Apparently, Ian helped Holly while Jessica sat on Ian and Maxine's bed. Maxine went on to say that Ian brought up his previous 1998 rape allegations saying to Maxine that he was worried he was going to be falsely accused again. So, he oh. and Maxine agreed did, to... Con- Sorry, yeah? Did she know about that allegation or did she just find out in that moment when he said that? We oh, don't know. I don't know, actually. No, I don't know. Mm, she, yeah, doesn't really matter. I, I guess it doesn't, no. God, did she, did, she, did she believe him? Did she believe all this about, like... It seems like it. Uh, that, oh, God, girl. Mm-hmm. So, oh God. he and Maxine agreed to concoct a f- false story to support his version of events. 
Oh God. God, he really used her for that. The police officers then told Maxine that they had discovered Holly and Jessica's bodies, as well as the ample evidence pointing to Ian's guilt, including his fingerprints Mm -hmm. being recovered from the bin in which the girl's burnt clothes had been found in his place of work. They had told her all the evidence pointed to Ian. Maxine burst into tears, shouting back at them, No, he can't have been. It can't. It can't have been. He hasn't done it. Despite okay. all the oh, evidence. Maxine. I know. Maxine. <laughs> Gee, she just doesn't want to believe it. But, like, you have to open your eyes. Yeah. He, yeah, God, he had her food. How long yeah. were they going out, I wonder? I don't think they were going out long. Oh. I'm thinking it was like, like, I think it was like a year, maybe less than a year. Like, it's like she didn't really know him. She know. didn't. No. Despite all the evidence, Maxine professed her belief in his innocence to both the police and her family. She doesn't want it to be true for her own sake, because then you've been sleeping yeah, I know, it's like... Monster. Yeah. I know, it's mm-hmm. a hard reality to face. Nine days after the girls were found, a public memorial service was held at Ely Cathedral to remember and celebrate their lives. This service was attended by approximately 2,000 people, including the girls' classmates, teachers and police. Private funeral services were held for Holly Wells and Jessica Chapman on consecutive days in September 2002. Both girls were laid to rest in private ceremonies attended only by family and close friends. By the 20th of August, investigators had enough physical evidence from Ian Huntley's home, his vehicle and place of work to formally charge him with the two counts of murder. Maxine Carr was charged with attempting to pervert pervert the course of justice and two counts of assisting an offender. I wonder what all that gets you. What what will get you? I wonder what that will all get, like what time that will all add up to. I kind of feel for Maxine. I do a little bit too. I don't know a lot about it, but yeah. But then she did really kind of like, yeah, like you say, pervert the course of justice. She really did. She, she did. was a big blocker in all of this. But we don't anyway. know... Did she know, know? I know. Did she how manipulative she was, or was he violent towards her? You know, he, she could have been a victim as well. Yeah. Uh-huh. While being held in prison, Maxine regularly inquired as to Ian's welfare, writing several letters in which she profe- professed her love for him. However, only a few months later, in December, Maxine finally severed all contact with Ian forever. Oh, thank God. Ian Huntley was faced with a sentence of life imprisonment if a jury could be convinced of his guilt. On the 9th of June 2003, he attempted suicide by consuming 29 antidepressants which he had accumulated in his cell. Although it didn't take and he was returned to prison. At the trial, Ian pleaded... What do you think he pleaded? Not guilty. Ah, yes. Ian pleaded not guilty to the formal charges of murder, although he did plead guilty to the conspiracy to pervert the course of justice. Okay. At Maxine's trial, she pleaded... What do you think? Innocent? Innocent? Also, yes, yes. 
not guilty okay. to the charges of attempting to of attempting to pervert the course of justice and assisting mm. an offender. In his opening statement, the prosecutor described the last day of Holly and Jessica's lives and how, by pure chance, they had happened to pass by Ian Huntley's home at a time when class teacher assistant Maxine Carr was not present. Remember, Ian is pleading not guilty. So we do not know what happened inside the house that day. But the prosecutor Mm -hmm. hypothesized a likely scenario where Ian lured the girls into his home a little after 6.30 and murdered them, most likely by asphyxiation. Although there was no concrete forensic evidence, testimonies from other professionals alluded to the opinion that Ian was a latent and unpunished paedophile moated by this opportunity. Yeah, could you imagine he just sees these two girls walk by his house? Mm-hmm. He he didn't plan it, he just Yeah. Yeah, he just fell in his lap. The opportunity. And they have obviously stopped. Oh, horrible. They obviously don't think of him as a stranger because they've obviously stopped and talked yeah. to Maxine before. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When inside he murdered the girls. He then put Holly and Jessica in the boot of his car and drove to his work where he attempted to burn the bodies as a way to destroy evidence and victim identification. work? Yeah. I think he tried to burn them in the bin. Like it would have been like a giant bin. A giant, okay. It would Mm -hmm. have to be, okay. Like a a dumpster type Can I just ask the college that he worked for, Mm -hmm. it wasn't the same school that the girls went to? No. See, I thought he worked no. at their school. I always thought that. I always yeah. thought that. No, he worked at the secondary school, at a different school. And Maxine worked at their Maxine school. Maxine worked in their class. Their class. In their class. So that was the connection. Mm-hmm. Okay. She even had, in one of the TV interviews, she holds up a handmade card that one of them made <gasps> for her and gave it to her. God. Yeah. How... Can she move on? Like, her boyfriend murdered two girls from her class. Like, how <sighs> do you live with that? Obviously, it's not her fault. Yeah. But I, like, how did he have a job in a secondary school as well? I mean, like, mm-hmm. people are still very young in those schools. I mm-hmm. mean, it's obviously because he has no criminal record, but that's, mm-hmm. that's what he should never have been in a school. After this case, there was like a huge uproar about what about how Mm -hmm. he got the job in a secondary Mm -hmm. school. And it came down Mm -hmm. to it that the principal didn't call any of his references or like, yeah, there was like very little done. He was not background checked either. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. I hope it's a lot more stringent now. I'd say it is. I hope so. I hope so. I would say so. I would say so. Sorry, where were we? So he's with the bodies. After attempting to burn and to destroy the evidence, to burn the evidence mm-hmm. and the victims, Ian then drove mm-hmm. the bodies to the RAF restricted fly area, leaving the dead children in the ditch. Now remember, he is a plane spotting enthusiast. Like he goes out and watches mm-hmm. planes. So he knew mm-hmm. That this area was a restricted fly mm-hmm. zone. Yeah. That, you know, like choppers and stuff may not necessarily go over. Mm-hmm. So 
they're like hidden mm-hmm. from the air. Yeah, he thought that. He out. did think yeah. that out. <clears throat> so Holly and Jessica remained in the ditch for two weeks. None mm-hmm. of this was done with the aid of Maxine, who only returned to Soham on the 6th of August, as indicated by cell site analysis. He did all this on his own. Mm-hmm. However, there is no doubt that they both concocted a false alibi and attempted to to divert suspicion from Ian. Ian took... Mm-hmm. But like here, he didn't even need to say, I spoke to them in the garden. He didn't even need to say that and he didn't even need to tell Ma- Maxine that. Yeah. He didn't have to mention anything. I don't understand this. Yeah, why did I don't know why he told her. Is, is it that he was afraid that, look, things might get back to him and he might get caught and if he gets caught, he'll now have Maxine to back him up? That's why he got her involved. So he's it already... So I, I'm betting right... So the police are already suspicious of him. Like he knows he's on some list somewhere in the police station. Because mm, he's done all this shit. And, yeah. yeah, in the past. Uh-huh. So it's like he's like, is he cluing Maxine in early? Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. That That's the only, yeah, that has to, has to be. Ian took the stand in his own defense where he claimed, oh. so here we go. Here's Ian's story. Didn't know this. Me okay. neither. He claimed both the girls' deaths had been accidental. Yeah, I thought that might be coming. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. According to Ian, he, Holly and Jessica had entered his bathroom to stem a mild nosebleed Holly had been suffering when the girls had walked by his house. The bath was already filled with water as he had been cleaning his dog that afternoon. In the bathroom, while helping Holly, Ian slipped and accidentally knocked Holly into the full bathtub, causing her to drown. How? I know. Exactly. Mm How? Ian said that he panicked and froze. He went on to say, Jessica, who had just witnessed this accident, had began repeatedly screaming, you pushed her, you pushed her, and that then he accidentally suffocated Jessica while attempting to stifle her screams. Okay. Apparently, according to Ian when questioned, stifling the screaming Jessica is why he did not help the drowning Holly. According to Ian, by the time his state of panic had dissipated, it had been too late to save either child. He said his first coherent memory had been of him sitting on his vomit-stained landing close to Jessica's body. I don't know, just... It's just clearly all concocted, all of this story. But Totally, right? I, there, I mean, there could be some truth to it, this sort of covering was it holly's mouth covering holly's mouth mm-hmm. like that could have been true you know i like because i was thinking right that. so kids children can't have nosebleeds right some kids are like prone yeah, but the to family them. would know if she was prone mm-hmm, to them mm-hmm. but maybe i was just was. like and maybe he knew that information from maxine maybe but then i was thinking maybe he said nosebleed because he blood killed her and he needed an excuse for her blood. Yes. 
mm-hmm. why her blood was there. It's actually all very thought out if you think about it. It is. But, I mean, it just sounds just not plausible, this whole kind of clumsiness in the bathroom. Yeah. I mean, like, what? Exactly, yeah. It's like, how, how what? <laughs> it's like fucking Mr. Bean or something. How? It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's actually, yeah. It, it, it is. It yeah. is. It's like slapstick. <laughs> yeah, how does that happen? Like, I know they're children, but, I mean, like, 10-year-olds are still, like, sturdy enough. They're not, like accidentally smacking one in the head is not going to make them pass out and drown within seconds. Within seconds? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I suppose... I don't know. It's possible, Mm. but it's possible if you are negligent in the moment and just sit there and wait. And, you know, like... like, Yeah. You have plenty of time to stop all these things. Yes. Like... That's the part, uh, like, ugh. It's totally fabricated. Anyway. It's totally, it's nonsense. It's completely, yes, completely fabricated, yeah. When further questioned, Ian went on to say he didn't call 999 and he actively concealed the deaths because he thought the public and the police wouldn't believe him that it was an accident. No, we don't. We don't, no, you were right. Crying on the stand, Ian admitted responsibility for both deaths, but repeated again and again that it was an accident. When questioned further, he claimed he had not attempted to feign insanity upon his arrest. He insisted the trauma of the children's death had temporarily erased his memory and his... I know! I know. He's saying that he forgot he did it. I mean, like, what the fuck? That's not not a thing. thing. No. And his being in the presence of the police had caused his mind to temporarily seize. So he's trying to account for, I know, for the drooling. me all the time. (laughs) God. It actually does. (laughs) (laughs) But that's he's just so annoying like i mean can you imagine being in that room like you like somebody just take him down yeah sit him down Mm -hmm. like the fact that he has to have his say Mm -hmm. oh Mm -hmm. it winds me up when maxine carr had to testify in her own defense she was asked Mm -hmm. what she thought when she she was asked what she thought when she got home to a recently cleaned house with the bed sheets and everything changed and washed. Mm. Right? I'd say he probably didn't do that regularly. <laughs> so I was like, if I came home and Jaren had done that, I'd be like, what? What has happened? What happened? Very suspicious. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what did she say? Maxine sh- said she thought perhaps Ian had had a woman in the house. Okay. That is what you would think. Mm-hmm. It also leads me to believe that maybe she doesn't know about all the kind of pedophilia stuff. I, she yeah. still thinks he's into women as well. Yes. I don't know. When yeah. questioned about misleading friends, family, the media and the police, she said she really did think he was innocent. Oh. As far as Maxine knew, the girls had entered the house to stop a nosebleed. But this was against school rules to have a student in the house for both mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. So, in order to save both of their jobs and reputation, 
she didn't share the knowledge that she knew they'd been in the house. Mm -hmm. She said in court, if for a minute I had known or believed he'd murdered either of those girls, I would have been horrified. Yeah. It took the jury four days to reach a verdict. On the 17th of December 2003, a majority verdict for Ian Huntley came back. Guilty. Yes. They find him guilty on the two counts of murder. He was sentenced to life imprisonment. Ian displayed no emotion as the verdict was announced, but both mothers, Wells and Chapman, burst into tears. Mm. Maxine was found. She, she definitely guilty of at least a couple of things. There was a few charges, wasn't there, perverting the course of justice? So she was perverting the course of justice and assisting Mm. an offender. I don't know that she assisted him. Mm -hmm. Maybe just the perverting one. Yeah, you're right. She was found not guilty of assisting an offender because she didn't Mm -hmm. think he had offended. No. But was found guilty of perverting the course of justice and was Mm -hmm. given... How long do you think she was given? Two? Two years? Three and a half in prison. Three and a half. Okay. Ah. God, love her. Well, Can you imagine? there's going to be a little bit of a twist. Stop. <laughs> Ian Huntley must remain in prison until he has served a minimum of 40 years, meaning he will be okay. eligible. Meaning he will be... Blah, blah. Need to take a drink of water. Meaning he will be eligible for parole in 2042. He will okay. be 68 years old. And jumping ahead briefly, in 2007, he did confess to attacking and raping that 11-year-old girl from 1997. Why is he coming out with that? I don't know. In 2007? Why? I don't know. They must have brought him back up on it. Yeah. Yes. And he admitted it. He confessed. He said yes. Okay. So that's more time then? I didn't read anything about that, but I assume, yes, they added more time. Hmm. The judge noted that there is that there is little or no hope for Ian to ever be released. Yeah. After the convictions, the parents of both girls granted an interview to the media. Discussing Ian Huntley, Mr. Chapman said, quote, I think he was a time bomb waiting to go off. And both our girls were in the wrong place at the wrong time. I hope the next time I see him, it will be like we saw our daughters. And it will be in a coffin. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. God, those poor parents. Oh. On the 3rd of April 2004, the, th- the, th- the three-bedroom house in which the murders occurred was demolished. The site was levelled and the rubble was discarded in various undisclosed locations. Mm-hmm. Since being in prison, Ian Huntley has been attacked many times, including having boiling water thrown on him and having his neck slit. <sighs> <sighs> he is... Uh, and Okay, right, I was just like, yeah, whatever. That happened. Yeah, fuck him. No, I'm not surprised. No, I'm really I'm not, not surprised. surprised. Nor do no. I have sympathy. No, he'd be the most hated person in he there. He would be. Mm-hmm. But this annoys me. He has filed for oh. damages against the prisons what? twice. What? 
and has been awarded tens of thousands of pounds in compensation. The fuck? Yeah. Like, he's saying, but it's your fault there was oh. boiling water thrown on me because you didn't make sure I was safe, sort of thing. Well, it kind of is. I, they are supposed I, to make sure I know it's technically, but... I, they are, they are. But, I mean, why, how, I've never understood this, but, like, can, pris, prisoners can't use their money, though. Yeah, I don't know. What are you going to do with that money? So, is he just going to pass it on to someone? He must be or? giving it to his, like... Parents or something? I don't know. Yeah, or saving it for when he gets out, but he's never getting he's out. He's not getting out, man. Tens of thousands, oh my god. Hmm. When Maxine was released from prison, she was given a new identity. Right. Mm-hmm. So nobody knows who she is or where she is. She's only one of four wow. convicts to be given, like, a new identity. One of four mm-hmm. ever in the UK? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I thought there would have been loads. No, for like convicts. People. For like criminals. Yeah, I would. I still would have thought there'd be more. Oh, really? Like Mary, Mary Bell, Bell was one. one. yeah. And she's one. There has to be way more. Hmm. I wonder who the other, right. the other two are. There's, we've got another two episodes. Um, <laughs> but here, I have to say, she's fairly distinctive looking. Maxine Carr. Yeah. She must have had to have gone blonde after this. She would have. But, like, do you know who she looks mm. like? Do you know the Breakfast Club, the movie? Mo- Molly Ringworm or something? Yeah. What's her name? Ringwald? She looks like her. She, <gasps> she does like look like her. I know exactly what you're saying. Quite dated look. Mm hmm, mm hmm. Gosh, so she's out there now, probably mm-hmm. somewhere. A few years after Maxine was released, Ian tried to take his own life again and failed. Okay. Again. This time, okay. he wrote a suicide note. In right. the note, he wrote that Maxine knew about the murders the <gasps> whole time. He did not. And that it was her what a little idea. Did she, though? I don't but did know. She? It was her idea. Okay, do you have the note? Do you have the no. note? It was her idea oh. to divert attention. And it was her idea. To burn the bodies. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. Do we have any clarity on any it of this? It is not known. How we, it's just whatever like, he said. Why is he only saying it now? Just because she got out? Or I, like, don't, what, I, what? Don't, I don't know. It do- doesn't sound believable doesn't. the way he's just saying it now. Mm-hmm. Why not say that ages ago? Yeah, why wouldn't he say it in court what. or something? Uh-huh. You know? God, I really don't know. I'm leaning more that she didn't know, but it obviously does I give think you a bit of pause. Be- because it was around the time that she got out, I'm thinking he was jealous that she was out and she want- he wanted to put her back mm. in. Or something. Like, maybe, yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Or maybe. So nothing ever came of that then. They didn't investigate that. No. They just told him to shut up. and. Or maybe they did and nothing came of it. Maybe they did. Yeah. I suppose they probably have to. I mean, he can't yeah, investigate so, everything yeah. that some nut job in so prison says, says, you know. I know, I know. Mm. There's no way of proving that, you see, because she wasn't there. She was physically out of the town. So he, they're having to rely on, oh, he said he told me verbally. Mm-hmm. There's no way of proving that. There is no way. Mm-hmm. Anyway, wow. There was a lot um, that I didn't know, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. 
yeah there was a lot I didn't know either um yeah and I feel like a lot of other true crime like people they don't Mm -hmm. go as deep as that like I didn't know the bodies poor Holly and Jessica were burnt I didn't know that Mm -hmm. like no that's all you know I like I didn't know that the search was so extensive like you know stuff like Mm -hmm. that Uh uh-huh and that is the end of the very famous or infamous oh yeah he would be infamous Ian well here thank god he's locked up Yes, and I mean that was his first murder that we know of. That we know hopefully. of. Hopefully, yeah. He was escalating, like the dad said. He was just gonna. Yeah, yeah, he was. Go for it at some point, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, he had an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Like we see with yeah. a lot of like you know, like violent abusers and rapists and pedos, they mm-hmm. you know they test the waters. You know, he started mm-hmm. off dating just a few years younger. And a few years younger, mm-hmm. then they experimented mm-hmm. with being violent and raping and seeing what he could get away with. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, just kept escalating. And that's the problem. They, he's been allowed to get away yeah. with it, so we enable that as a society. Mm-hmm. We just let... I don't know how you fix that, because I understand why some victims don't want to prosecute. They don't want to reopen those wounds and it's understandable. It's their choice. Yeah. They also don't feel safe. They don't feel safe. They also don't feel safe. We need to make them feel more safe. Mm -hmm. And that they're going to be be believed (gasps) and that he's not going to be able to get to them. Because sometimes sometimes um, the perpetrator gets to just walk out and about in the street and they live in the same town as you and what are you going to do then? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen that happen. Mm-hmm. Like, it's absolutely awful. It does happen. Yeah. 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 It's a really bad, bad, bad situation that is not fixed uh-huh. yet either. Um, well, anyway, you've done this now for Jamie. Yes, Jamie, you asked for this. <laughs> we'll do your next. We'll do your next one in another year. <laughs> yeah. Talk to you next year, Jamie. <laughs> So think good and hard about which which one you want. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right, guys. Slan Walia, rate, review, and subscribe. Ditto. Bye bye. Me Time and Murder would like to thank and acknowledge our sources that make this podcast possible. References can be found on our Instagram page.